I'm not the house of cards that falls down easily. Ooh, I'm strong enough to handle what you throw at me. Welcome to Mental Health News Radio. I'm your host, Kristen Sunanta Walker. Just what are we going to discuss? The intimacy that is mental health. Let's continue to make it as comfortable as discussing brain health or heart health. This show has been on the air for several years and we have amazing co-hosts. And then we created a network of podcasters on mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com, a place where every possible facet of mental well-being can be talked about openly. My show, after several hundred interviews, the format is this. Intimate, deep, funny, touching, sometimes uncomfortable, but always vulnerable conversations with interesting people. The goal is to have you, our listening family, many of you who have become my good friends, feel as though you are listening in on private conversations. Thank you for tuning in and becoming part of this amazing journey with me and now with our network of podcasters. Just knowing this podcast might be helping any of you realize you are not alone on this journey called being a human being makes doing this podcast worth every second. Hey everyone, Kristen Sinatra Walker here with Catherine Limpo. Good morning, Catherine. Good morning, Kristen. So we're doing our Women Who Lead series and we're going to talk about something. It definitely fits Women Who Lead and it's something around all the life and the experiences that someone goes through. It's not like we wear those things, you know, taped those little notes all over our bodies, you know, sexual abuse or domestic violence or uh, narcissistic abuse, or, you know, we, we don't, there's no way to see those things when we walk into a meeting or we are leading a company or um, we're going to the grocery store. And <sighs> We judge so quickly other people's behavior. We judge our own behavior. We don't leave license for um, or room for someone to move around and out, out and around and above their and into their issues in order to be able to express themselves. And when you are someone who is leading, uh, that can be really difficult having patience, but then also pushing someone past their point, finding out what's going on with someone, but also holding them accountable to do the work that they're tasked to do. So today we're going to, you know, talk about that as as best as we can, right, Catherine? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Um, inspired by a few things, actually. So I think you and I both have significant personal stories that lend to the showing up because of what we've been through as opposed to in spite of. And I know I've talked about that many, many times before. I, I repeat certain things over and over again. It's okay. Um, and um, also just some things that, um, you know, I've either read in the media lately, obviously, a lot of what we're exposed to just in our daily news. And then um, a, in particular, a documentary that I watched very recently. And I was struck by the fact that we all do have a backstory. And it, to your point earlier, it's not like we, 
you know, show up in a meeting room or at a PTA meeting with these signs hanging off of us that not only give other people clues as to, you know, what we may have gone through before we got there, um, but also how we may tend to handle certain situations. So in a lot of ways, we're talking about the hiding in plain sight of ourselves. You know, we show up as certain people, um, but there's an aspect of it of us that we always bring along um, that quite often no one will ever see or experience, and yet it very much influences um, the way we uh, either manage uh, ourselves or if we're in a leadership position, how we manage those around us. Yeah, exactly. And we we definitely want to touch on when we've, you know, since this is something I've called you about, um, when we have had some of our past stuff cause us to get enmeshed or, and not, we've stopped being a you know, able to lead and there's some power struggles and how we gracefully and artfully handle those things. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> those are difficult because everybody's human. Um, but yeah, and I want to start with this and it's because it's the, the women, a lot of the women that listen to us do these shows are, are women who are, you know, they're the breadwinners in the family or they're, um, an equal breadwinner. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're running companies or they're executive directors in organizations. Uh, they're entrepreneurs. And, um, you know, that comes with some haterade that you can't help because people put their own projections onto that. <laughs> haterade. <laughs> I haven't heard that before. It's awesome. <laughs> I love, I say that one a lot. Yeah. It comes with some of that because as soon as you show your flaws, you're going to, because we're human, it's, whatever projections someone has put on you. Oh, well, look at all these things she does and she's a leader. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, we, we make mistakes. We make wrong decisions. We, you know, falter, but we're still leaders. Mm-hmm. Those mistakes yeah. don't mean that we've somehow, you know, phonied our way to the leadership position. I mean, some people do, but they're usually found out. They just mean that, yeah, it, despite our mistakes and our faltering, we still end up in leadership positions. And what what are the reasons why? And that's what we flesh out on this series. But today it's it's more of, you know, how do we look at those hidden abuses? So, Catherine, how do you want to start that delicate but necessary subject? So I do want to talk about um, an absolutely wonderful story that was shared very recently on Facebook and that because was such a it good was, story. yeah, because it was um, created as a public post. Um, I'm, I'm not afraid to talk about it and it's, yeah. extreme, it's extremely important. So um, there was a woman by the name of Hannah Hollander who very frankly, um, as a strong 24 year old woman posted her story about her brief but very, very significant marriage um, that was chock full of abuse. And it started um, in a very benign way with a a lot of love and a lot of admiration from the man who would be her future spouse. 
Um, but after the marriage, it very, very quickly turned into um, a barrage of verbal and sometimes physical abuse. Um, and yet from the outside, it looked perfectly normal, highlighting the fact that abuse takes many different forms, but even when it doesn't take physical form, uh, bruises and constant black eyes or broken bones, the diminishment of self is significant. And Hannah has described that one in three women have similar stories. And when I read that, um, it was staggering to me. And I don't work with very many women, but the women who I do work with are precious in many ways. Many of them have very long tenures with right. my company. You know, many of them acknowledge that they are, you know, few in a in a very male heavy industrial environment. Um, and then when I think again of this one in three statistic of women having similar stories, uh, i.e. a backstory of abuse or a difficult circumstance, I, I think about the women in my building, you know, yeah. <laughs> the 11, the 11% of the workforce there. Um, <laughs> and, and I, I think that I couldn't guess who that is, you know? Yeah, I, it makes me think too of a, a story that's gone around um, since you know Lady Gaga has won. She's broken a, a, a record. She's won a BAFTA, an Emmy, a Grammy, and an Academy Award in the same year. Amazing, Amazing woman. <laughs> Amazing. And there was a post that went around showing pictures. This really did exist of when she was in college, where there was a lot of haterade about her and it, there was a something like, I hate Stephanie, whatever her, you know, her real name is. I don't remember. <laughs> Sorry, Lady Gaga, if you uh, likely never to hear this episode, but um, I, <laughs> but it was this woman saying, you know, I, I didn't, rem I, I remember that group and I wasn't a part of it, but I feel sh a bit chagrined that I never said anything, but it just goes to show you that, you know, yeah, she had adversity. She wasn't handed these awards, she worked hard. And can you imagine, Catherine, can you imagine having a Facebook page or some kind of public page put up about you at the school that you go to talking about how pathetic you are? There was like a, a flyer of her doing cart, you know, she carted her keyboard around all over the place to play at gigs while she was also going to school. And they had like purposely put boot prints all over this flyer and posted a picture of it. Ha 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 in this group. Oh my goodness. And yet no. she persisted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, and I, I do love the quote from her um, regarding a boyfriend who said that she was destined for failure. And mm -hmm. upon leaving, she, she told him he wasn't going to be able to go anywhere without seeing her face or hearing her <laughs> at some point, you know, um, right. and you know, it's not, it's, it's not necessarily all about vindication, no, um, exactly. but, Absolutely not. Yeah. but it is about overcoming, um, our own adversity. Um, and I, I think the fact that she has been so public in sharing her story, whether it's been 
mental um, health or her fibromyalgia. Yeah, absolutely. Sexual abuse. Um, and, and where she is today is truly inspirational. And it makes me wonder when, <laughs> when in real life, you know, us down here on earth, um, when it's going to be okay for us, you know, I, yeah, I, have yeah. a, <laughs> I have a story that I've shared, not with everyone at work. I've shared it with my two work partners and I've shared it with my boss. And that's, that's my own backstory. I have, um, well, I am a survivor of narcissistic abuse. I'm not ashamed of that at all. And I will talk about that with anybody who would like to um, contact me or discuss it. Um, I'm a huge advocate of, you know, many, many folks um, such as, such as yourself, such as Dr. Linda Martinez, Louie, you know, folks who are advocates in that field. She's one of my um, call at 2 a.m. I can call her at 2 a.m. if I need to. I mean, and I, I haven't, I've called her at 11 p.m. Eastern, but she's on the West Coast. But I, if I called her at 2 a.m. in the morning, she absolutely would pick up and would not be angry. That, that's, she's yeah. one of those people for me. I, I think that's a, a beautiful thing. And um, you know, I'm in a couple chat rooms. And if anybody's looking for any material at all, I point them directly to to her um, material. I just feel it's so healing and inspirational. Um, but in any case, my, my point is that um, I, I don't wear a t-shirt that talks about what I've been through, but I know that there are things about the way I approach my job that require me to keep my, um, my experience in check. And when I say that, I don't mean that I don't use it as a strength because it is something significant that I experienced that I survived and I'm proud of that. But I also need to be sure that um, the way that it um, at the time pushed me right into the sympathetic nervous system and caused me to be hypervigilant um, around folks who are trying to hurt me or, you know, folks who are trying to not tell me the truth or, or what have you, um, had to be tamed because I could not continue to be an objective leader if I wasn't able to, number one, acknowledge that in myself and number two, learn how to manage it in a much more practical way. So that's not to say that I had to stuff it by any means. I just had to relearn how I was going to use it. Mm. How has it been for you? Okay. And we don't need to tell anyone where you work, but people can go. It's not, you're not hiding that information, but you know, people can certainly look you up on LinkedIn and find it. But just so our listeners are reminded, you know, you are a high level executive at a for at a manufacturing company that, you know, like you just t- said is, um, is it's a very male dominated field. So you're, you are in charge of managing a lot of people. Yes, I have a, I have a work group that I manage and. And you I travel all, all over the world. <laughs> I do. I do. I, I, I have the, the 
um, absolute good fortune of being able to work with folks all over the world. It's it's an amazing experience. But you know, to your point, I've always worked for a large manufacturing or industrial company of sorts, um, and this happens to be one. Yes, and because of that, women are are few. Um, it's not uh, deliberate, you know, and it's getting much much better. Eyes are opening in terms of diversity and what different people can bring to the table. And that is absolutely the right thinking. And it, to be fair, it's been going on for many years. I joined Ford in um, uh, 1999. Wow, that was a long time ago. Oh, my God. Um, and and we're they were Ford just- Motor Company. Okay, just Ford Motor Company, yes. Like, like um, Pepsi, Coca-Cola. It's, this is not a teeny little company, okay? No, no but, I, you know, I was <laughs> right at the bottom of the totem pole where I belong, you know. Um, but uh, in any case, they were um, pushing the dialogue at that point, you know, diversity. What does that look like? What's the definition? How do we access it? Um, what does it do for our ability to broaden our thinking and serve more customers in a more effective way. But at the end of the day, um, there are few women, particularly in functions outside of um, core functions like human resources. So when you get out into the more peripheral functions, um, there are fewer. It's not to say that uh, they're not mighty or that uh, they aren't there, but there are fewer. That is a fact. Um, so in my company, when I say that I talk to my work partner, both of them, <laughs> and I talk to my boss, I'm talking to men. You know, I'm talking to men about my experience as a woman. Um, and yeah. uh, I am so thankful for them because um, they have found a way in the last couple of years to open themselves to listen to me as a woman. And I am very appreciative of that. Have you found that um, it's changed out there in turn, you know, from what it, the dynamics used to be with? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have too. When I started, God, I'm 49. Yay. Um, mm-hmm. inching closer to 50 and I'm so excited and I just can't hide it and I'm about to lose control and I think I like it. But anyway, yeah. mo- moving on. <laughs> um, when I first started, uh, it was rough. It was rough being in technology, especially I think what there were a lot of things that helped me, um, that were protections I put in place. So a lot of I experienced a lot of different things, of course, because, you know, the male-female dynamic was much different then. But what was worse, I'd say, is what I observed, because I had a a level of respect because I was a consultant. So I walked in with a kind of a different name badge or something or respect around me, what I watched happened to women that were in more of a quote unquote subservient role to the male CEOs that I dealt with. That was what was the harder thing to witness. And I don't see that today, hardly ever. And I used to see it all the time. Yes. 
Um, and actually, now that I said uh, 1999, <laughs> <laughs> I, I realize um, it's almost been 20 years since I graduated um, from the U of O and went to work for Ford Motor Company. Um, wow, fantastic. That's mind blowing. Yeah. Um, I'm like, I should have more money saved by now, you know? <laughs> well, let's see. Let's add in <laughs> anyway, uh, abusive relationship, topic. divorce, <laughs> alimony, <Yeah. laughs> some bad decisions on, from, that were all yours. <laughs> um, oh, but yeah. yeah, I mean, things have changed incredibly. Um, and the opportunities that I've had access to have grown over the years and the amount of faith that um, my leadership has put in me has grown over the years as well. Um, partially due to my own ability, of course, I, I, you know, obviously I wouldn't be where I am contributing if I weren't able to think in a certain way. However, I do think that, and I, I almost hate to say this, I do think that um, just the greater ability to embrace and acknowledge the capability of women in the workforce has been palpable, you know, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and that has certainly changed the way my career has been shaped over the course of the last now 20 years as mm -hmm. well. Yeah. So in terms of, you know, what we walk, we walk into a boardroom, we walk into, you know, wherever we're walking into as a, as a female, that's put it, you know, we've put ourselves into a leadership position. We've been put into a leadership position, however it worked out, um, walking in with what gone on in your life. I think, I mean, every woman gosh, I don't want to make a blanket statement. I'd say 99% of the women in leadership that have been in leadership positions for over five years are a woman who has dealt with some kind of harassment, mm -hmm. um, some kind of abuse in some way, because, you know, the numbers one and three that, that adds up, but also to be able to have the grit and the stick it out that you need in order to be in these leadership positions, there's 99% of the time, there's a story there as to mm -hmm. what it is that gave you that grit. And that grit mm -hmm. is some, something shitty that happened. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me think of like, you know, you remember the devil wears Prada, that movie that was really about Anna Wintour. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the way it was presented and this young woman that wrote it, I mean, it probably was not fun working for her, but it was also like, well, you don't run Vogue, young woman who came in and got mad because she didn't, you know, because she was rude or, or whatever. You do not run this entire, you have no perspective on what it takes. Mm -hmm to do mm -hmm. what this woman does. And I like the fact that even though, you know, you don't like some of the ways that she supposedly behaved, I like the fact that there's now this respect coming back for Anna Wintour uh, that I'm seeing out there uh, because of what she has done as a businesswoman, that she, what she, the magnitude of what she's responsible for. So it's mm -hmm. nice to see that other side of, of the coin. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. and. 
I'm also encouraged by the increasing number of women CEOs that we're seeing just in general. Um, you know, we talked about statistics a few shows ago, right. um, but it, it seems that every time I open LinkedIn now, there's yet another female CEO that's been appointed. Um, and, you know, I, I, <laughs> I was talking to somebody, gosh, I, I think it was last week. And we were talking about, you know, having to be sort of a, a tough woman at work. And it happened to be another woman who I was talking to. Um, I think that we were, you know, both going through performance reviews of folks on our team. And although those conversations are difficult to have sometimes, um, sometimes they lead into some of the most insightful paths into development and interests of these team members that you're, you know, doing the, the performance review with. And she made reference to being perceived um, still as, you know, the B word, a, a, a bitch yep. in her, um, in her. Might as well say it what it is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah in, in her group. And, um, and then she kind of stopped herself and, and she said, you know what, I'm not going to use that word anymore because, um, and I, I know that that is, is sort of, you know, trite or cliche to say, oh, well, I'm not going to use that word anymore. But it was interesting to hear her revelation around it, which was, um, you know, not um, a, a flattering term for the strength that she's bringing to her position, you know, right. it, it, it may have been a perception at one point in time, but even to say it out loud now, first of all, seems very archaic, you know, it just seems it does. like, and you don't it, hear he's a dick. I'm just pointing that no. out. No, no. You know, and maybe, maybe it's a, a change in trend and language, but I think that we're realizing now that just because a woman has the ability of bringing her experiences to the table and shaping um, the way that she does her job, she doesn't have to be a bitch to do that. She's strong. It's okay. You know, you're, right. you're not calling a man, uh, <laughs> you're not yeah. calling a man a a dick every time he shows up with a bit of strength, you know, Yeah. you're going, yep. Oh God, that, you know, that's an inspirational leader right there. That's the guy I need to follow. Right. You know? Um, and I'm not, I'm not advocating being, being a dick by any means, you know, that right. is not what I'm saying. I think that there's emotional intelligence that we need very significantly to bring to the table in all instances, regardless of what gender, you know, what gender we represent or what gender, you know, we, we feel we are, um, we, we have a responsibility to lead with kindness, but it's how we get to that kindness, um, through all of our experiences, you know, right. through being called a bitch or through knowing that you had the propensity to, you know, be a bit of a bully or a are you know super bossy overly bossy and therefore you have the micromanager right yeah, yeah micromanager whatever it is how do we yeah. take those experiences and turn it into something completely different right 
Right. It's, and as you and I have discussed privately, it is really hard to walk back boundaries. Yes. So may, maybe you aren't a bitch, micromanager, whatever, but maybe you uh, let things slide way too often and aren't saying no enough and because you're tr- afraid of those labels. Right. And, um, and then when you suddenly wake up and go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, why are my hands hurting and my task list is 100 feet long and my team is saying, well, you just have to give us stuff to do. <laughs> so. <laughs> so you walk back boundaries and then they get really angry because you haven't, you know, you've let them slide. And, you know, that's a dynamic that you as the leader have to take responsibility for. And um, and it causes exits um, sometimes. And, you know, I want to ask you this, Catherine, have you ever felt like maybe I mean, I know you're a very nice person. So am I. And even with that, have you ever felt like there's like a little club of just a few people that have like a Stephanie or a Lady Gaga, not a page, but it's their own little group of how awful you you were? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you know, of course, I, I carry that with me everywhere I go. I've I've been less than kind many times in the past, and I know that um and I don't, I don't know who they are, but I'm sure that if given the opportunity, there may be <laughs> there. Some people that would, that would love a platform to give me a performance review publicly, you know, right, exactly. um, but, but the thing is, I couldn't deny any of it. You know, I, I, um, same here. And I haven't, I've had the whole, here's the list, the letter of all the things that you yeah. blah, 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 blah. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I could see 75% of that is there and the rest is a shitload of your projections and stuff that you should really look at yourself. But I, and I have actually said that, yep, all of those things could be said. The difference of what we're trying to get across here, listeners is the difference is that yes, you're going to have those things just like people who aren't in leadership positions have, but you're still a leader. Yes. Yep. That's exactly right. And that's the because of, right. So (laughs) It's all of the, all of the dredging and all of the um, mistakes and all of the bad decisions, all of the big wet fish we use to beat ourselves up with, you know, the the thing that we slap ourselves with over and over again. I loved Um, it when you said that to me. Yeah, that was the fish that slapped across the face. I was like, oh yeah, I felt it. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. (laughs) I think yeah, hopefully we all have it at one point or another. Yeah. Um, but yeah, all all of those things coming together and, um, you know, making us who we are and um, creating the whole package within which we we show up. Um, you know, while we were talking here, I brought up uh, LinkedIn and the latest. CEO that was appointed was um, BP, was British Petroleum. She was, uh, her name is Priscilla Mabalane, and she's executive office of BP South Africa. Um, She has a huge smile on her face, (laughs) and she looks ready to take the reins. and you know what? It's so hard for me not to read an article like that and just 
get so excited for um, that girl. <laughs> yeah, and it's kind of you you get to this point where you sort of take the lumps and stride um, because it doesn't move you out of being a leader. Um, I can't not be one at this point. I was shoved into that role before I even, you know, was when I was like, why am I being always asked, you know, men that are, that were my age um, now were asking me at 22, 24, 20, whatever, how do I, what what do I do with my company? And I would look at them and I would tell them, well, you could do this, that, and the other while thinking, why are they asking me that? I don't, what, what is it they think that I know? But yeah, so in terms of, you know, when someone's going through, let's say hidden abuse, let's say it's narcissistic abuse and it hasn't been physical. um, Maybe it's physical in terms of a doorway has been blocked or, uh, and I've had this happen, you know, this can happen at home. And I've, I've actually had it happen in a work situation where a doorway was blocked because the CEO was decided that it would be super cute to do chin-ups in the doorframe of my office and expose his ad- abdomen. And, you know, just, okay. it was just being utterly and complete and walk up behind me and touch me, rub my shoulders and stuff. And, you know, just all kinds of just nonsense. And, uh, and I did feel trapped because that was the exit. <laughs> right. So we've had those things happen and those are, uh, that is abusive. It's an abuse of power, but it doesn't leave a mark on your face. It doesn't leave a mark on your arm and the way it's written off is, Oh, Kristen, you're too sensitive. So what? He has a crush on you. And I'm like, well, he's married and he's my client and I, I was trapped in the office and it made me exceedingly uncomfortable. So this, so stop trying to make this my fault that he did this. Right. So, you know, we bring those things to the table with us. And when we're sitting down at the executive table, you know, we don't know who has experienced what um, that's sitting down at that table with us. Yes. Yep. And, and that's exactly the point. And the fact that, you know, their backstory, their experiences, whatever it is that they bring to the table is going to affect the way they make decisions today and the way they lead today. And, you know, even the way that they may either react or respond to, you know, sharing information or listening to information. You know, all of these things get knitted together in the way that we that we show up in our present. Um, you know, I have a staff meeting once a week, and my my staff is diverse, many different folks from different parts of the world, and they all, of course, you know, have different families and. Um, different interests. So, you know, even just getting to know them in and of themselves over the course of the last couple of years has been very interesting because, you know, each one has, um, you know, quite a different story at home. And then, you know, even to peel that back even further to understand some of the inner workings of the families and, you know, some of the things that 
you know, make them either happy or sad or take their time or cause them to decide to spend their money one way or another is also yet another fascinating layer. Yeah, that is. I want want to peel that back a little bit because there's this line when you, when you start to know someone personally and Mm -hmm. let's say, you know, all you're hearing about is how great something's going on in their personal life, but you're noticing, you know, that they're not getting their work done. They're showing up bedraggled. They're a little more defensive and they've been sharing freely. Oh, I've been out until two or three in the morning. Da, 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 da. How, how do you, how, how do you handle those situations? Cause it's person it's personal and you've heard about it, but it is affecting their work. True. And, um, you know, I'm talking, I think less about that, but I will come back to that in just a second, if you don't mind. And more about, um, you know, the, the thing, the things that make us people, right. So Mm -hmm. the, having to take care of a, a family member for a medical reason or, you know, having yes. to um, allow time because, you know, we're moving a, an elderly parent uh, into Absolutely. our home and now having to, you know, change the schedule to sort of accommodate theirs as well now. Um, exactly. You know, it's the, the things that make us people um, help us to build empathy, you know, um, because, it's our experiences in that way that help us know better to support our folks. And I, I think that um, as a leader, you're a person first, right? However, there is a point where, you know, that accommodation of people's humanness um, crosses a line and it becomes that person taking advantage of that desire to cater to your humanness, you know? Right. Um, Right. Well, I, I think, yeah, it, it's, I, I think that, um, you know, you still have to hold people accountable. There's still metrics and deliverables that correspond to whatever role that person is playing um, that need to be delivered. If we can do that and accommodate the humanness, then let's do it. If somehow the humanness is getting in the way of being able to uh, really fulfill the responsibilities that you're here for, then you need to make a, another choice um, right. on how, on how you're dealing with your humanity. Right. So I, I think that you know you have to be an empathetic leader. You must, but yes. um, you you don't have to be taken advantage of. I think there are two different things. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. And those are rough calls because yeah. you do care about people and you do care about the things that they um, have to, you know, deal with. Um, and because we're, we all have things to deal with. I, my personal life has affected my work. Uh, you know, it affects my work every day and being in the mental health field, um, you know, one of the great things that I, I like about what I do is, yes, I host shows and I do interviews. And when I do interviews with four other companies that have paid for a podcast and pay me to host, oh, I'm on my game. I'm on my A game for those shows because they're paying me to be a host. My show, which is this show, I'm not always on my A game for this show. And I purposely am not always on my A game for this show because 
my show is about, hey, we're not always on our A game, especially when we have mental health challenges. And so you, if you can show up and do your work anyway, you're, you know, good for you. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely it does. And, and I think that that's exactly the point. And it's not to diminish the things that get in the way at all, because right. the things that get in the way are extremely important. I think it's also important for us to acknowledge that there are, you know, not in all cases, but in many cases, resources available to help deal with those things that may be getting in the way. Um, and I, I realize that, you know, it takes time to seek out, you know, a therapist or, right, you know, it takes time to uh, get the sleep that you need or, you know, make sure that you're, um, eating healthy food and, um, you know, taking time to have some quiet time for yourself. Um, but I, I don't think that um, you allow yourself. Well, I can't, I can't say that because I've certainly done it as well. Um, <laughs> when you allow, um, you know, things that are going on in your life to get so big, that they get out of control and impact your ability to be effective in the places you really want to be effective. Um, it's important to look around and try and understand what those resources are. And Absolutely. sometimes it even just starts with a conversation, right? A conversation with a good friend or, you know, listening to a podcast that, you know, gives you an aha moment that yep. you know, maybe you do need some help and maybe you do need to, to reach out and try and understand what's there by way of support. Um, yeah, I would not do, I would not do this company, this network, the amount of shows I do. I would not be able to do this. Uh, I won't say as well, cause that's debatable on, on depending on <laughs> what's going on, yeah. but I, I'll just say I wouldn't be able to do this at all if I didn't make the commitment to go to therapy every week and um, have a really good therapist who knows when I'm running her around the office, avoiding the issue that really needs to be discussed. Right. Right. Yep. Yeah. And you know, it's, um, it's those extra things that we do to try and, um, not manage our backstory. I won't say that. Maybe better understand our backstory <laughs> that um, that sometimes help us in those um, places of conflict in the workplace. You know, when when we have worked through it in another forum and we have the lesson, sometimes that lesson is much much easier to apply. Yeah, and I'll I'll say this too. This is whether you're you know in a leadership position or not. Here is something very profound for women, uh, any woman, period. Self-sufficiency. You have no idea what it does for your self-esteem to not be dependent on another person financially. Mm -hmm. Even if that means that you work at Starbucks and you live in a box with a toilet. It just, to not have to... Um, be dependent on someone else is incredible for your self-esteem. If that means you got to downsize your life, you've got to live in reality, don't live above your means, all of those things. 
I, I just can't support that and that uh, journey enough for every woman out there. Mm -hmm. Figure out how to do that for yourself. Doesn't matter how many kids you have. Doesn't matter if you don't have kids. Just figure that out because, like I said, the self-esteem that comes from being able to take care of yourself financially is immeasurable for the re for the long term of your life. Well, it gives you choices, yeah. doesn't it? Yep. Um, you know, and if we go back to the story that we opened up with of Hannah Hollander, um, you know, it was her ability, I mean, not solely, but it, this contributed to her ability to get free. And, and that was, you know, the ability to make some economic choices. Um, it is empowering to be able to rely on yourself in an economic way. I understand in, in some cases it's not it's not possible. And, you know, particularly in instances um, around situations that we're talking about this morning, you know, abusive situations where someone maybe right. isn't a allowed to work, right? Right. And but you can, you can leave. It's hard, but you can yeah. leave. You just have to decide. Yeah. All the hostage negotiators that I've talked to and the psychiatrists and the psychologists and the police detectives that, you know, that I've interviewed on the show, that's the thing that every single one of them says is that person has to um, decide to let go of that lifestyle. Yeah. Is the lifestyle... Yeah. Uh, work, you know, when that lifestyle is not worth the abuse that they're going through, then they'll go and they'll live in a shelter if they have to for a while and start over if they have to. Be, and it's, but, you know, wanting to let go of that lifestyle, that is, that's very difficult. Yes. And that is a deliberate choice for sure. Um However, if I think about, you know, just the ability to provide from, for oneself um, economically, I, I think that opens up a completely different kind of choice, right? And that is, um, you know, the ability to develop the self-reliance that you were just talking about. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. And, and listen, it, it can happen in different ways. I mean, I, so I left home at 18 got married. Um, my husband worked and I worked up until just about son was coming out. I worked a graveyard shift. He did too. And then I was home for, um, a while with him. And then, uh, you know, I, I got called back to work, but it was graveyard and my husband wasn't graveyard. So we kind of worked it out. And then, I stayed home again for a long time with my son and then I started working again and, you know, we, we worked it out, but I stayed at some point and we were equal in the money. Um, you know, sometimes he made more, sometimes I did. There were, it was a, it was a marriage. It was a marriage like any other marriage. And then it came to where I became the breadwinner for the whole family. And, um, I got to experience what that's like and the weight of the responsibility of that and the hard stuff that can come with that. That's a whole other show that I think we should do about 
when you when you're in that role and it's especially at the time that was not the typical role and so i could really empathize with men saying i just want to come home and be left alone and my husband was the one who was like this happened and this happened and this happened i was like <laughs> so i was in the opposite role will you never clean well yeah because i'm out 9 hours a day and i'm exhausted when i get home you know so we had the the other side of it but then at some point you know there was a dependency that was created that made the dynamic difficult. And then I went and lived uh, for a, you know, a time with my mother after her husband died. And my mother likes to create dependency. And even though I, and it's out of her own insecurities and attachment issues, but even though I was making a lot of money, I still became dependent on her um, thinking that I couldn't take care of myself because that's what she was implanting in me. You can't right. take care of yourself. I have to manage your bills for you because she was my CFO. I gave her that control. That was a, I won't say it was a bad idea because I learned so much from it. I'll never let anybody do that again. After running my finances my whole life, I, I let her quote unquote help and it became a measure of how to control me. And when I left that situation finally and got to where I am now, I felt like I was starting over and, and I was running this network and I felt like, uh, like you had I don't even know how again. to get a credit card or exactly. I, it was like, I had to start over like I was 18 and I was like, but I already did all that. What is this? But that's how uncomfortable these dynamics can be. And also it just cause you learned it a while ago doesn't mean it's not going to come back around to teach you new things. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, think about uh, a victim of abuse or someone who, you know, carries with them some form of complex PTSD and the reliving of experiences over and over again and how, um, you know, events or, you know, even meetings like in a business environment might remind you of, you know, those things that you've been through previously. Um, and, you know, it's that, it's that kind of learning. It's the, you know, how you allowed someone to encroach so far on, um, you know, your own acknowledgement of your ability to take care of things um, <laughs> and how, how heavily that impacts yeah. the way, the way that you do things now. Right. Yep. Absolutely. It, it, I'm, I'm not bitter. I was really angry and I needed about a year and a half and listeners, you heard me talking about it on shows cause I do work out my stuff here. Um, but you know, I, I got through it and I learned a lot and I'm not angry anymore. I'm, but I'm wiser and I won't, let that happen again. I, you know, that's not going to happen again, but I guess what we're trying to say is, you know, when someone walks into a room and we're sitting down at a business table, um, we don't know because they're not wearing signs. We don't know what their whole story is. And to just part of having empathy is keeping yourself aware in the midst of a heated conversation or a disagreement or a whatever that is about business and not just uh, not attacking them, but not going at them as if they're this one dimensional being 
trying to remember in when you're responding to a disagreement or, or whatever that you're speaking to someone that has a whole history that you don't really know anything about. That's where the massive amounts of empathy must come in while not backing down from your leadership role. Yep, that's exactly right. So you know, how do we remain open as leaders to accommodate that backstory that folks are bringing? Um, and how do people feel okay about the fact that they are hiding in plain sight and that they do bring strengths and gifts to the table despite all of the, you know, the muck and the mire and the right. um, everything else that they've walked through to get to where they are today. Um, and I'm not saying that there's not a lot of people who have had, you know, roses and sunshine their right. entire lives. Um, right. I I haven't met you, but I would love to. Uh, <laughs> I, I want to know who you are because I want to learn it. from you and understand it, you know. But to those of us who have bumbled through and, you know, have pains and, and bruises and learnings and, you know, reactions at the ready as a result of that, I'm so glad because that's what I bring to the table too. Same you know? And there's a way, let's let's leave this with a couple of really good um, examples. So one I had with um, a new person in my life who is a very strong person, a, a, you know, ran a multi-million dollar company and is just has patents out on different things, just a brilliant businesswoman used to running the show. And um, I'm not a big buttheads kind of a person. I'm more of a make way and kind of see how is this all going to flesh out. But I'm not a doormat by any means. I just don't, um, I don't, if I can avoid some kind of argument peacefully, that's how I want it to be just because that's how I want my life to be. But she does like to, you know, get in everybody's face. And she got in my face and was trying to tell me something of what to do. And it was fascinating because that's just how she uh, ran her business and da, 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 da. And yeah, there's some learning to do on her part. That would probably make her life better, but it's none of my business. I'm not there as her therapist to tell her, Hey, watch that behavior. I'm only there as someone who says when she's crossed the line with me, that's my only responsibility. So when she does cross the line with me, I just say, okay, um, no, that's not going to happen. What have you? And what I noticed was Uh, She would come back at me and say, you know, you really yelled at me and it hurt my feelings. And there was no, I don't yell at people. That's not what I do. And I said, no, I didn't yell at you. Well, you said it like this. And it sounded like the snottiest way of saying something. Mm -hmm. And I said, that's what you heard, but that is not what I said. And I just Mm -hmm. not allowing her to put her stuff on me. I just Mm -hmm. wouldn't allow it. I would not allow it energetically, uh, verbally, anything. And, um, you know, she backed off. Hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It is interesting also how, um, you know, that, uh, those reactions, um, you know, do sometimes come out in a misplaced or, yeah, I don't want to say inappropriate because they think they're doing it right. You know? Yeah, they do. If they, that's how they've done they, it their whole life and they've been successful. And sometimes you kind of feel entitled to, well, this this is what works. And it's okay yeah. for you to, as the receiver of it to say, 
well, that may work for you with everybody else, but it doesn't work with me. And I will always do that nicely quite a few times. My, a friend of mine used to say, Kristen Gandhi would have wielded a knife before you will. <laughs> 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 this was That's a hilarious. CEO at Dell. Uh, I, I mean, not CEO, is one of the uh, directors of, you know, all of sales said that to me, you know, and I, I thought, oh, that, that's hilarious. <laughs> that is funny. I like that. That's good. <laughs> it's good to know you're so peaceful. <laughs> I try. I may, I try. I just, I don't like that tit for tat and stuff. But anyway, will you give an example? Yeah. What would I say? Uh, um, you know, I, I think that, you know, we continue to kind of walk walk that balance you know one is making sure that we're using what we've learned um in a good way and making sure that we're taking the the good stuff and the what worked and applying it in a very significant way but we're also making sure that um you know our own backstory is managed not hidden by any means but managed in a way so that we can help others feel comfortable in finding the strength in their own backstory. Um, and it's not that we need to get personal with every single person we work with. I don't think that's the, the point at all. And when I say work with, it could be, you know, the other mom you volunteer with on the PTA or the, you know, the other guy that you coach your son's soccer with or whatever it is. Um, I'm just talking about the person next to you who has a history and experiences and a backstory um, that they're bringing. We're not ever going to know everything about everyone in our lives, um, but we can at least be empathetic to the fact that, you know, there may be something there that we don't know or understand, and we need to be open to whatever that creates in that person um, exactly. and be appreciative of it regardless of how hard it is sometimes. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, and, you know, let people go on their way in peace. That's what I, that's my big thing. I mean, exits for me used to be Armageddon every single time. And that's because that's what it was in my family. So mm -hmm. I was, fully I've been fully responsible for creating the dynamic that would have those types of exits for a long time in my life um, until I started actively affirming okay there's always going to be exits that's part of mm -hmm. life people come in and people come out but from this point forward I choose for them to be peaceful and harmonious for me not because I don't care about them being peaceful and harmonious for the other person just because I'm not responsible for how they're going to take something because that that's their life is their life I just choose right. to have them peaceful and harmonious for me. And that, that was a great thing for me to be like, oh, I have a choice in this. So that's, that's beautiful. That. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, Catherine, as usual, thank you so much for being my co-host on this Women Who Lead series. And thank you, Kristen. I really appreciate the time and I uh, appreciate being able to talk to with you. Yeah, yeah. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in to another edition of Mental Health News Radio.
I know, I know, no one likes commercials, but seriously, folks, without the help from these organizations, we could not stay on the air. Please give a shout out to zencharts.com. If you're a mental health or addiction treatment center, you'll want to use their EHR. It's gorgeous. And they're just good people. And also mygenetics, M-Y-G-E-N-E-T-X.com, because knowing your genetic code empowers your mental health treatment. And lastly, copenotes.com. We love getting positive messages right to our phones every day from Johnny Crowder. He's the lead singer of Prison, a heavy metal band sharing their music about suicide prevention, addiction recovery, and mental health. See, that was painless. Support them as they support us. Back to the show. Sometimes I'm passive aggressive, but never without good intentions. I heat up and act on my emotions. Thanks so much for listening to Mental Health News Radio. Our podcast can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and hundreds of other podcast apps. Or you can visit our website at mentalhealthnewsradio.com. If you have a question or would like to be a guest, become a podcaster on our network, or join the amazing organizations that help keep us on the air, please email us at info at mhnrnetwork.com. Get ready for that special goodbye from our resident therapy dog, Miles, and a special thanks to Emily Sohn for letting us use her incredible song, Cordial, for our podcast music. Listen to the full song on SoundCloud at emily.sonne. Don't be surprised when I don't hate on you. After all we promised, we'd be cordial. Sometimes in you, I can fight.